Hey everybody, welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. I am your host, Jay Williams, and joining me today is Robbie Helene's replacement for now. Yikes. Elder candidate, Christoph Katzbeck. (laughs) Yeah, I was just just talking to uh, my brother, because we listened to a podcast where there was somebody who for the longest time was an elder candidate, and... He's like, is, is Jay going to call you that in the podcast? And I was like, well, I don't even know if I'm doing the podcast with Jay. But... Oh, you are. Well, you're auditioning. Yeah. We're that's... taking auditions for Robbie's replacement because no one can replace Robbie. No. Wait, is it an and audition? You certainly can't, but you're going to try. All I think of is the reality TV auditions where they have to do like ridiculous. Uh-huh. They send in their ridiculous YouTube videos oh, yeah. of doing things like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, no, we, we, we have a plan. There's going to be, who knows what's going to happen while we're recording this, that we're going to see how does he oh, that's react great. That's great. to these situations. So, no, like, uh, yeah, I think I think people can expect that they'll hear from you and they'll hear from Jeff. Um, we'll yeah. see. Yeah. Sometimes it'll be just you and Jeff. Yeah. Sometimes, like it has been in the past. No no big deal. But, yeah, it is a, it's, it's a new era. Yeah. It's, it's a new era. It's been a long time since you and I have done a podcast. It feels like yeah. for, obviously you and Robbie have done it for a long time. And then there was a, a stretch in the, there's a stretch where Jeff and I were doing a handful together and, and, but yeah. I feel like we haven't, we haven't crossed paths in a while. Well, there's a reason for that. I think you, you filed a complaint with HR to say, I do not want to do a podcast with Jay again. You weren't supposed to know about that. Right. So, mm-hmm. well. Turns out okay. I'm HR also. Oh. That's the problem. <laughs> you put it in the HR suggestion Yikes. box and I'm the one that, okay. yeah. So That's great. I try to create a safe working environment here. Um, yeah, so we are, yeah, it's a new it's a new season. I think we will hear from Robbie again. Yeah. I don't think that's the last we've heard from Robbie Helene. No, um, no, never. We have the technology. We do. We do have the technology. Yeah. The technologies help with everything. So yeah, that's no. Paul yeah. had the technology when he wrote Ephesians. Hey, he, he wrote it on a MacBook. The you very are a first professional. MacBook. That is that it was the most professional transition he, I've ever heard. <laughs> Thank you. I yeah. I like I like to do what I can. So so as Paul was sitting in a coffee house, uh, well, prison coffee. Well, shop. prison coffee. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, typing out his letter to the Ephesians. Yeah. Um, okay, that's not what tweeting happened. it. Tweet. That would be incredible. Yeah, Scripture via tweets. Yeah. Man. That's what Proverbs was. Proverbs was the original Twitter. If anyone ever wonders why God chose that era you to... just glossed over. What a great... Like Proverbs being the original Twitter. Come on, man. I've heard it before. You have? Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Sorry. Anyways, Ephesians. You preached this past Sunday, Jay. We got to get this back on track. Ephesians. Ephesians. Uh, Robbie, Robbie would have never let me get that far off track. No, we are out of control. You preached this past weekend. We are, we're, we're going through Acts, yeah. and I, first of all, love the fact that we're taking time to um, drop in the letters that were written over the course of, of Acts, historically. Um, and so this past Sunday, you, you preached on kind of an overview of Ephesians. No big deal. Yeah, no big deal. Well... I mean, and we said this each time. So if people actually are faithful in listening to every episode, um, which it should be mentioned that we've taken a couple of weeks off and we really apologize for that, but that was our grieving, our mourning mm-hmm. period. Yeah. And um, now we're into the auditioning period. But the Ephesians, like re- preaching an entire book in one sermon just to rehash what I've said before has been a really great thing because when you just read it, you know, from beginning to end, and you think, all right, if I need to just say one major thing about this book, like what would I, about this letter, what would I say? And it's going to be similar when you think about when 
when these were written, these were letters written to a church, and it would have been read in front of the congregation. Often whoever got sent with the letter would also have some interpretation for them to help them understand, like, oh, this is, you know, right. he made special note of this or whatever. But you're just listening to it in one reading. And then what do you take away from it? And so it is good that we have the opportunity to really break down. You know, I think every word is inspired. I think this is, it's, the scriptures are, you know, obviously inspired. They are inerrant. They are authoritative. And so we can, it can handle the breaking down of, you know, word Mm -hmm. by word, verse by verse. But their original, the original intent or the original hearers would have heard them in a big chunk and would have like taken away a couple of things. They wouldn't, they wouldn't have broken down every little thing. Now they would have gone back, I'm sure. And they would read them probably over and over and over again out loud. And so it kind of gives us that opportunity to do that. And what's so striking is when you go through a book like Ephesians, there's so many places where I, I was like, oh, I would want to want to preach on that. or I want to preach on that. I want to preach on that. But you have one sermon to kind of give a broad overview of what what is actually the big picture thing. What's on Paul's mind when he's writing this letter? Yeah, and that's a great point of just it's it's a letter that's being written to a people that's right. going to be read as such. It would be kind of weird if we received a letter from someone and we, <laughs> we just, broke it down word by word. We just like word. broke it down word yeah. by word. Um so I I yeah, I, I love that. I love putting it into his context. And a lot of times when we're reading through like Bible reading plans, we're taking singular chapters of books and just kind of hopping through instead yep. of of doing that. I love uh, one of the things I've been doing this year is listening to the different letters all the way through and um on a on a on an app. Yeah. I'll listen to it when I'm on a walk or something, just the entire letter. And you do see that. You oftentimes seem see this um or hear this 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 greater overall view of what the letter is meant to be. You said, so speaking of which, you said at the beginning of your sermon that there are not which is just whenever whenever you say something like this, like my ears kind of perk up because you're like, "Well, I don't normally do this." Um, but it was you. You confidently knew what you wanted to title this sermon, like before you even wrote it. Which, you know, I can attest to the fact that I I don't know half the time what I'm going to name a sermon or whatever. I get caught off guard whenever Jeff asks me too. Like, right. what do you want to name this one? I'm like, I don't know. Um, you know, the purple that used album. to be a big know. thing. I mean, I think a lot of people maybe grew up in a church where the very first sentence is today's sermon is entitled whatever. And the title would be in the bulletin. And we used to do that. Like when I first got here, we used to do that. And then I think they just gave up on me because this episode of Jay preaching, I mean, it's called, I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all to say that's great. But I just, I don't there after enough times of naming a sermon, something that I didn't even end up preaching on. Um, I just thought, well, this is, let's name it afterwards. But you're right, this time, and not only did I know, it actually, so we calendared out the whole book of Acts Mm -hmm. um, from like whenever we started. I don't even remember when we did. It's well over a year ago that we, um, and by we, I mean Robbie, like broke down the outline and then uh, Jeff and I approved it. Like, yeah, it looks good. But Robbie also put the, like just kind of a one sentence kind of synopsis. Yeah. Um, not even in one sentence, almost like a sermon like, title, like a main idea. Of, yeah, here's like a main idea. Go for. And that's what his was for this. And normally I don't pay attention to that at all, or I'll do, I'll look at it and like, yeah, it's not 
Yeah, just like in real gonna... life, you're like 50-50 on whether you actually listen to one. <laughs> Not even 50. So, but this one, I was like, oh, I, I actually came back to it. At first, I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know. That's not, I don't think that's where I would go with that. But then when I wrote the sermon, I realized, oh, this is, this is exactly this idea of becoming who you already are. This idea that, that, and this is one of the hardest things to grasp in Christianity is that we are already, we are already righteous and yet we're not yet righteous. Like we're already saved and our salvation is being worked out. We are already seen as like um, blameless and yet we still sin. And, and so these, this tension and realizing that it's not even that God looks at our potential, but he's saying like through Christ, it's already secured. Like Christ has already done the work. He's already been risen. You know, he's raised from the dead. And that power now dwells in us, and that is what seals us. So in Ephesians, he talks about our inheritance is sealed by the Holy Spirit. So that that idea that we are already this, and we're also becoming it, we're growing into this identity uh, as as who we actually already are. So my mind kind of goes into a few different places with that. Um, that kind of that makes me feel like there are really good ways of living in that tension because it is a, it is a bit of a tension. Um, there's really good and healthy ways to live in that. And then there's some maybe not so healthy ways to live in that. So maybe it would be a good idea to maybe unpack those two things and go, well, in what ways can we recognize that tension and it not be a great thing for us? You know, so what is kind of the distorted view of that? Um, maybe we, we have a poor understanding of who we are. Maybe we have a poor understanding of what we are becoming. Um, and then what's kind of the healthy, um, the healthy way of understanding what the, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So I think this, this theology or this doctrine of the already not yet is kind of sometimes the shorthand that we talk about yeah. this tension between who Christ says we are and how God sees us and who we are and the fact that we aren't, we aren't that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but we will be. And I think so. One of the negatives, one of the big ditches that we tend to fall into is the idea that well, I'm already righteous, so like God sees me in this way, so it doesn't really matter how I live. Yeah, I'm just, I like why even spend time become. I don't need to become because I already, I'm already that. And um, and obviously that's a that's a really dangerous thing because you're the, the scriptures are clear that when you are this, like if Christ has made you this, then you will desire to become it. Like that's going to feel more like more and more like who you actually are. And so to not walk in that brings things like conviction and unsettled. So if you're, if you're very at peace with walking in your old identity then I would say that is actually your identity. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's the issue that we get confused about is it's a sense of peace. Like, does this feel... We all have function in ways where we say, that's that's not who I want to be. That's not... Like, that feels wrong. That feels... I don't feel at peace with acting in a certain way or or going in these about these certain rhythms. That's the sense that that's the sign that the Holy spirit is working at you because you are, you're like, you're acknowledging a reality that you are functioning in a way that doesn't feel like who you really are. Right. But if you are at peace with that, and we've all known that, and it's something to be mindful of. If you're a person who says, Oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm a Christian. 
and it doesn't matter like my works it's not about works and so if anybody like says hey well you know you were called we're called to give like oh you know but it's not it's not about works or you know having a quiet time oh it's not about that um yeah but you're like you're walking in sin in these other ways like well don't be legalistic like you, and if you're saying those things or a person is saying those things and they are at total peace with where they are and and you know sometimes I'll ask a question when I ask somebody like if if they believe in God and they say like, yeah I'm a Christian and I'll say like how do you feel about your faith right now like how do you feel mm. about where you are with Christ do you feel close to him do you feel distant from him the people that always make me the most nervous are the ones like, I feel good. I feel right, good about where right. I am. And if their life is not demonstrating any of that, like I've never, first of all, I've never known anybody who's spiritually mature who feels like great about where they are. Yeah. And that's because they're not where they know. It's not like, oh, I know I should be better. It's there's a deep inner sense that you're like, this is how I'm living is not lining up with who I actually am, who God says that I am and who the spirit inside of me is testifying. That's what's called conviction. So when the spirit is testifying, this is who you are, and I'm living in this way that is contrary to that, that clash is what we describe the emotion or the feeling of conviction. Yeah. Because something isn't right. It's not lining up. If I don't have conviction, that means I feel at peace. There's no conflict. I feel at peace with how I'm functioning, and that is lining up with, that, that how I'm functioning is lining up with who I am, which then that says, well, then you're probably not, and you may not be saved. Like you're not something the te- the spirit is not convicting you because you're feeling very much at peace with that. So yeah, it kind of feels sense. like the um you know my my salvation was a ticket out of hell kind of thing, right. and it, it just kind of happened, and we're good, and I I don't need to do anything else. So it kind of feels like if we were looking at that 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 continuum, my my brain is just thinks of like a, a graph and <laughs> thinking if you have the already. Uh, and then what you're becoming, it feels kind of like a, almost a rejection of the, what you're becoming and just kind of like resting in the, what we already are. And then I think the other side of that is of the rejecting the already and just focusing solely on what, what you already are becoming. Um, I'm thinking of, of those who they, they look at themselves and in, it's funny you said conviction. This is a, this is something that I just, I tell students all the time. So there's a difference between shame and conviction, sure. right? You're not going to, there, there seems to be sometimes this, um, this feeling of almost, I, this is strong words, but like self-hatred, like this, like just being so frustrated with yourself and so angry with yourself that, you know, if only I became right. this thing and it feels like you're, you're rejecting the work that God yes. has already done yep. in your life. Um, and, and in a way you're, you're looking to God who says, God, who says, I love you. I sent my son for you. Um, and you're saying, well, I can't love that which you love. And it's kind of almost rejecting mm-hmm. this love that God has given. And so I see these kind of two ends yeah. of this spectrum of the, the one side has zero, con- zero conviction and the other side, well, both sides, I guess, have zero conviction, um, which is why I think it's healthy to live. One has peace. The other has shame. Yeah, there we go. That's yeah, a, one, yeah. One has a feels a peace that is not well. And here's maybe the it's, irony: maybe it's an apathy. I don't know if peace is yeah, necessarily well. Right, right. right, apathy can certainly come across as peace. Um, well, it's peace in the sense that there isn't a conflict going on internally. Like internally, your your identity is totally united because it's actually in the carnal or in the fleshly realm. Yeah, and yeah. I think if you reject, if you reject the what we are becoming, and you only focus on 
who we are. Like, yes, that, that produces a person who, um, actually reveals who they are and it's not who they think they are. Like you, yeah. you, you believe because you say like, well, I prayed a prayer, but you're ignoring the fact that you don't, there is no process of becoming. And if there is no process of becoming, then you're, you're not actually right. There's not an already kind there of There isn't thing an going, already. Yeah. If there's no, if there's no not yet, that is a process, then there wasn't an already to begin with, if that makes sense. But yeah, if you reject the other, if you reject who God has already made you to be, and you're only focused on the becoming, that becomes like works-based righteousness, which sends you into either ditch of either you find your righteousness in what you have done, and so now you're not resting in the work of Christ. So that produces that can produce an arrogance on one side of um, like, well, I am becoming this, and I'm becoming this in my own strength, and I don't. What you're really saying is I don't need. I don't need the work of Jesus. All I needed was a little boost out of this. And like, I'm focusing <laughs> right, on becoming right. or the other side, which you're talking about, which is shame, which is a person who forgets, forgets who Christ has already said them, called them to be, who, who he's already said that he's made them and not trusting in that gift and always finding like, I'm not measuring up. And I think the big issue there is if you're focused like focusing on what we are becoming is a beautiful thing when you see it as like a, um, like what I'm going to be someday, like what Christ is doing in me. And he's like guaranteed the arrival. Like if it's that, it can produce a lot of joy and excitement and value to the process because it's worth it. If I have reacted in an angry way 15 times in a row a lot of times we can feel like, well, what's the point? I'm always going to be this way. I hear that from people all the time. That's just the way I am. And a resignation of like, well, so you go from self-loathing of like, why can't I do better to eventually just giving up? Because right. you're like, well, what's the point? Well, the point is that when when you are able to resist anger, when you're able to, um, to trust Jesus in that and you see the fruit of the Spirit start to take form and it just happens one time, that's a sign of like the things to come. And so it's worth it because you, that's enjoyable and you want more of that. And you know, it's going to happen. Like more of that is going to happen rather than constantly feeling like I'm not measuring up. So you can look at it as look how far I've come, or you can look at it as how far do I have to go? And if you remember that your identity has already been secured, then everything it's, it's, I mean, I know that all of our listeners are going to be really excited about casino gambling analogies, but you're like you're <laughs> playing with house money. Like you, you're you're in a situation where you've got sure. Like, yeah. what do you have to lose? You get to get up every day and be faithful and try and like pursue Christ and see fruit of the spirit grow. And there's nothing as you're doing that. It is it is all like joy upon joy, blessing upon blessing. There's not like, there's going to be conviction, but that conviction brings, brings repentance. And that repentance reminds you of the forgiveness that you already have in Christ and more dependency on God, which then bears more fruit. So even the conviction is a beautiful piece of the puzzle because it, it brings about, um, you know, this, these incredible, right. Like this fruit in us. That, that makes sense. So it's like all moving, po- like it's all moving forward. There's yeah. no like, yeah. oh, I just destroyed that way. And I, 
I had I had 10 days in a row without an angry outburst and now I just ruined it. You know, it's not like the recovering alcoholic who falls off the wagon and like it's all lost because you, you know, you slipped off that thing. It's like no, I'm I'm I've grown in this and then when I have a day where I don't respond the way I'm supposed to or when I don't feel like I'm growing that that doesn't bring everything crashing down. Like your your future is still secure. Like your inheritance is still yeah. sealed. Yeah, that's such a good that's a good reminder too. I, I love that even when as as we are growing as believers, as we are growing and living in what the uh, in what we are becoming, we're we're existing in the already, but pursuing the the work that God is doing in us. That even when we have those moments where we fail, um, that the the kind of the the things that we're called to when we fail, the things like confession, the things like repentance, stuff like that, that really. Um, that's used to grow us closer to God. God uses that just as much to grow us closer to him as he does the, the fruit of the spirit that he, he uses to um, grow us closer to him. And I think that that, that is kind of the measure, right? Like that's the measure of like, um, am I, am I actively living in a healthy way in this tension or am I not? And I, I just, I think that that's one of the ways you can go. I am, I am living in this tension of what I already am in what I am not yet, but I'm pursuing, um, is, is when I, and tell me if you, if you think this is right or not, when, when I, when I, when I fail, when I sin, when I, um, when I do something that seems to contradict this idea of the already, right. Um, is it, is it progressing me more towards Christ likeness? Like there's, there's the irony of like, when I fail in that God brings me to humility and in that he brings me to confession and, and in that repentance mm-hmm. in order to grow me to look more like him, uh, not to justify, like, and this is where, you know, it, it gets the distorted view, not to say like, I'm going to go out of my way to sin so that right, I have well, it. This is Romans. Right, right. Like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said like, as, as sin increases, grace abounds all the more. And then, so then the rhetorical question that he asks on their behalf of, so if grace increases, like, should we go on sinning? And he says, by no means. By no means, yeah. So there, the, so when Paul says in Romans 8 that God works all things together for good for those who are called, uh, who love him and are called according to his purpose, there, that's like that win-win. So when you have a test of faith, if you quote-unquote pass that test of faith, and you have this, like, think of any crossroad moment where you're like, okay, I can obey Jesus and trust him in this, whether it's my reaction or, um, you know, whether I'm going to worry about this or whether, whatever the case is, um, even if, you know, something basic, like, am I going to lie about this or am I going to tell the truth? Like, when I have an opportunity to trust Jesus, when I pass that test and I trust him, that grows my my trust all the more like I, that builds faith. Yeah. When I fail that test and repent, that draws me into intimacy of God and it grows my faith. And I believe that's what Paul's talking about. He says he works all things together for good. Yeah. Whatever you do, it's like a choose your own adventure book that ends with your faith growing. The issue is if there's not that conviction, if there's not that desire that's evidence that the spirit isn't even at work in you and everything you're doing is in your own strength, in your own mind. And you're basically living an imaginary religious life Mm. over here. But for those who belong to Christ where the spirit 
cries out and testifies, Abba, Father, that, that there's a sealing of that, you know, in us, then that, that is, when that is the case, then whatever we, whatever we do, God is going to take that. He's going to use it to build our faith and draw us closer to us, to him, whether it is through him looking at us and, and pleased with what we've done and saying like, look, you see the fruit of faithful trust in Jesus, or you're repenting and you're going to him and asking for forgiveness for not trusting and not believing. And there you find mercy and, and love and a reminder that I've already made you into this. Like we're, we're, we're pressing forward. Not that I've already attained it, but I, I press on. And I think that like, so you're highlighting an issue though. The part of the reason why we have this complex is because we think we can guard somebody. We think we can, we think we can soften someone's heart who is not, does not have the Holy spirit. And so mm. we put in these parameters, we put in these guardrails because we're like, well, it doesn't mean you can just like, you need to make sure you feel properly badly about this, whatever. Well, all you're doing is speaking to a person who is prone to shame because the person who doesn't feel conviction is not won over by that. Like you, I mean, no one has ever had any success trying to make someone feel badly about something that when they don't feel badly about it. Yeah. That's not the gospel. That's no. not, that's just, Hey, don't right. stop lying, you know, or whatever, right. insert whatever's in there. That's not the gospel. That's just, Hey, put trust in doing good things. Right. And, and proving and like trying to say, well, we want to make sure we're trying to motivate a Christian to want to pursue Christ. And we do that by saying, well, if you don't, if you don't show these works, then you're probably, you're probably not a Christian. So make sure you show them. Well, the problem is the person who's indwelled by the Holy Spirit feel is never going to feel like they do enough to demonstrate. Like that's the irony of it. If mm-hmm. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm going to feel a lot of conviction because I'm constantly in this battle as long as I'm here on earth, which means I'm going to constantly feel like I'm not measuring up, which is, means I'm going to constantly feel like I'm an imposter or that I'm going to be filled with shame. We're scared to just say what I just said about the win-win. Like, pass the test, fail the test. Either way, God's going to use it to build your faith. Yeah, if anything, we as we as Christians should walk with the, the, the greatest confidence. Yes. Right? Like, confidence and freedom. Yeah. Which is almost like, hmm, for freedom, I we've like been I've set re- free. Yeah, I've read like, that like, somewhere. Like, these are the things that we just, you start, like, connecting them, be like, oh, this is what Jesus means when he says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Yeah. Oh, this is what it means that it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Therefore don't return to a yoke of slavery. Like we just have lost that because of our fear that people will abuse the freedom. Mm. And what I want to say is that if they are indwelled by the Holy spirit, then freedom is not going to make them like run wild. They are going to be tethered to Christ and they're going to desire that. And if you are dealing with somebody who is going to abuse that freedom and is going to, um, you know, just say like, doesn't matter and live contrary to that. Well, then they're revealing that the Holy spirit is not in them and our shaming them is not going to bring the Holy spirit into their heart. Yeah. It's only going to tether them more towards whatever is, um, pulling them away from freedom. You know, I, I think yeah. of, I think of the person who has an addict, an addiction, you know, and like, well, I have freedom to drink as much as I want. Right. And you're like, well, no, that's actually, that's what's, that's your master is yeah, you're, the bottle. You're like, submitting to a yoke of slavery. Yeah. And yeah. and you don't recognize that that there's actually no freedom in this. It's it's quite the opposite. Right. And then we actually find freedom in Christ in the same way if we just tether people to 
these different works here and there, which it never is the full, like the, the irony to that is like, it's never the full body of the law or the full body of all of God's morality that we try to tether people towards. It's usually like right. a, a, a handful of things. It's you my know, pet issue. Like yeah. whatever, whatever issue I think is most yeah. important because probably the thing I'm not tempted by. So then I like to, I yeah. want to wait, wait the test. It's like taking a test and, and, wanting you know wanting the teacher to like assign more heavily the section that i naturally understand (laughs) like well that's obviously the most important thing i think we should weigh that the heaviest and like well we are we are homeschooling our our oldest right now maggie and and that's what she is whenever we do like math homework she's like Mm -hmm. you know we're doing like a a worksheet type thing and i'm doing it with her this actually just happened on monday i was doing it with her and she's like i want to do these ones right i don't want to do she loves it's funny it's the opposite of me she loves the word problems because she loves pictures and she like will draw them out and stuff but the like just normal math ones she's like let's just do these ones no it doesn't no, no no yeah and we that's when we when we build our own little fake religion like yeah. our little we live live our little side story where we've kind of pieced together all these different philosophies and all these different things and we've formed our doctrine we formed our you know ways of worship and all these things it just happens to like have all the characteristics that come most naturally to us and so if i'm a person who um you know is naturally like extroverted and likes to be around people then guess what's really important in my religion being with other people and connecting with all them. And if I'm just naturally um, like, like to just kind of sit in a corner and read, then guess what's really important in my religion. If I think that um, like it's, if I'm wired to have like a, a care for the poor, because remember we're all made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. And so we all have God's fingerprints on us. We are all created in a way and God and scripture says it was created good. So our character traits and all these things are, they are, they're meant for good they get perverted by sin. And so everybody has some part of them. And so you could have somebody that just has a real desire to, um, to help the poor. Well, guess what's most important in their religion, helping the poor. And, and so it's all these pieces. And that's where I've said before, is it looks like the real thing. Like it has images of it. Like, yes, we, you're supposed to care for the poor. Yes. It's important to study the word of God. Yes. It's important to go and love people. And, and to be around people and connected in, in community. But, but we tend to separate those out and like emphasize the thing that we are able to do in our own strength. Because if I can emphasize that, like, just like with Maggie and her math problem, if you just focus on the ones that she does well, she's going to nail that test. Yeah. And ultimately that's the works righteousness thing is I'm trying to create the test. I form a religion that is, that produces a test that I'm going to ace because you're only asking the questions that I naturally can do in my own strength. And that's not following Christ. Right. And I think the answer to that is to remind ourselves of like really secure our identity and who we are. And then to point to who we're becoming and to say like, there's to feel the freedom of Christ and to feel the love of Christ and knowing that that's like one of the things that struck me about this letter is how much Paul focuses on love everywhere like it's you're rooted in love you're built up in love you're like you're mm. that you would know the love of christ like there's all these different things it's constant it's in like every it's all attached to this and and then that's that, that this life of freedom is that i can walk into say uh um i can walk into school i can walk into work i can walk into my house i can walk into a coffee shop and i can know that there is a way to be faithful to jesus in this environment in this moment 
and there's a way to pursue what he's already, he already says, this is who I am and I'm becoming that. And there's a way to pursue that as I walk into this. And the freedom comes from knowing that whether I pass or fail, I'm going to be closer. Yeah. I love it. And that's the part that like, I just think it's scary. I understand why it's scary because you're like, well, it doesn't matter if you pass or fail. Well, in one sense, yes, it does. Because who wouldn't rather like experience the joy of faithfully responding to the test than the conviction, like conviction hurts, right? Like it's, I would rather that, um, I get to experience more joy in that moment. But, um, but in another very real sense, if someone says like, well, then you're saying it doesn't matter. I'm going to say like, well, yeah, in a real, real, real sense, it doesn't because if Christ already secured this for us, then he's already secured it. So yeah, right. there is a sense in which if the spirit is dwelling in you, it doesn't matter in this moment to that end. It does matter for your own joy and glorifying him in that moment and how it impacts the people around you and all these things. And then you go full circle and say, well, and if you don't care about any of that, well, then that's evidence that maybe the spirit isn't alive in you. Like if you say, well, I don't care what it, how it affects anybody else. Well, that's that's not an evidence of the spirit. So that just uh, comes full circle back to that. Yeah, it does. I, I love that. I You know, it's it's one of the things... This is one of those areas that has been challenging me because I really like things to be uh, one way or the other. And I'm, it, 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 the older I get, the more I recognize that there are tensions within our faith that you just go until I actually lean into that tension of here is who I already am, but this is also who I am becoming. Until I actually lean into that tension, I'm not going to experience that that freedom in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, but the more that you do lean into that tension, the more you do live in that reality, the more you are free. And the more that you are free, the, the more confident you walk knowing that God goes with you into wherever you go. And and that is, man, if we could all live in that reality. And and it, the irony, of course, is the even verbalizing it, you're recognizing that I still don't necessarily live in the recognition of that all the time. So, Isn't that interesting, though, too, like just to point out, you were mentioning, you know, helping your daughter with homework. And and I think we have this picture. Anybody that's a parent, I mean, imagine if your kid, if you ask your kid to unload the dishwasher and they say, well, are you going to love me still if I don't unload the dishwasher? Like, <laughs> a, a good parent is not going to say, no, like I have a scorecard. And whenever you're yeah. above 75%, then I love you. But below 75%, I don't. Right. And you're no longer my son. That that would be insane. We would say, that's not good parenting. And you're like, oh, you're hovering right around 74%. If you unload the dishwasher, you'll bump up there and then I'll love you. Um, of course, the answer would be, I love you regardless of whether you unload the dishwasher or not. And if the child then responds with, well, then what's the point? I would say, well, then that child really, like we would look at that and go like, that child does not understand. Yeah. And hopefully they're going to grow in that understanding. Now, if they do that when they're three, you might say, okay, well, I understand why you'd say that, but hopefully you're going to, you're going to learn that, that, you know, it's better that you are responding to me in obedience because this is what's good for the family. But if someone does that, like if a kid does that at 16 and says, well, why, why should I unload the dishwasher? If you're going to love me either way, well, now a 16 year old has some life experience to know, oh, like there's, there's a joy that happens in this house. There's a peace that comes in this house. There's fruit that happens in this house when we all are participating and, you know, we're doing, we're, we're functioning the way that we're supposed to function. 
fruit, not fruit flies, that would come from the dishwasher if they didn't unload it yeah, or that's a load stretch. it. Because fruit flies don't come from that. But I, I was trying. I was trying. Yeah. But I think <laughs> Robbie is like as a mark. Where, where's the the audition? Just, is like <laughs> is it? someone sitting over the clipboard. I imagine someone with a clipboard in the corner. No. Um, but so then you go back then to Ephesians as a whole and saying that's why Paul is building all this to this is what the body looks like when you're properly when like it's working properly it's building itself up in love because when you lay hold to who you are and you live in freedom out of that identity of who you are pursuing what you're becoming and finding joy in that and living in the spirit in that then as we do that we actually benefit one another and we build one another up in love and and the church then functions and then that as it's being built up that's what God is pointing to, to the rest of the world and saying, if you want to know what I'm like, look at my family. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. It's good. I got, I got nothing else to add to that, Jay. No, that's pretty, that was a pretty good landing right yeah. there. Yeah. 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 So, uh, uh, season two. This is season two? Season two. <laughs> it was the longest first season ever. Joke. We've been doing this podcast for like yeah. 15 years. Remember? So, so. Episode 139. That's what this one is. Really? 139. Yeah. It's like Psalm 139. Oh, I love Psalm 139. There you go. That's a good way to end it. Go Psalm read 139. Psalm 139. There you go. Go do that. If you have any questions or you want to reach out to us, I know that um, love to talk about, um, not any, but if you got questions and we're able to tackle them on the podcast, we'd love to connect with you. Um, you can connect with us online, on Facebook, also our website, faithpeshtigo.com, or send us an email, connect at faithpeshtigo.com. And as you go, go in peace. Go in peace.